Girlwise is a safe space to learn and discuss all kinds of topics through anecdotes and evidence-based research. I'm your host, Brenda Nicole, and welcome to Girlwise. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Girlwise. Today, we're going to discuss a topic that, man, is very rarely discussed, but it's something I think that is extremely important in a girl or a woman's life, and that is how to find a good doctor as a woman. Right now, I am going to mainly speak about people that are over the age of 18 because they have a little bit more freedom to choose themselves. But hey, if you're underage and you have the freedom to also look into your own doctors and have your own decisions when it comes to choosing a doctor, I think that's amazing. And these things can also help you as well. But but finding a doctor as a woman is really hard. It's scary and doctors can sometimes be daunting because of their social status. And if we don't know much about the medical world, their decisions and words can be taken as the be-all and end-all. And we may feel as if we don't have much of a choice because they're more educated on the subject, so what am I going to contribute? This can leave us discouraged at times when we feel like we're not being taken seriously or maybe we just don't even feel comfortable. I've mentioned before a few times that I went to med school, which here in Mexico, the entirety of the seven years is known as med school, even though in places like the U.S., any schooling done outside of your hospital rotations is known as pre-med. I did three and a half years of schooling before I dropped out, and because I regularly went to hospitals, was exclusively taught all of those years by medical professionals, and was in the medical world for a teeny while, I'd like to say that I have peeked behind the curtain and know a tiny bit more about it than the average Joe. Now, in no way does this make me a professional, but I was in it long enough to see that these are just regular people that have I mean, rightly so, been given a very high social standing, but that doesn't mean that they're free of faults. Actually, before that experience, going to the doctor used to be very daunting and almost cold in a way for me. I used to even be slightly afraid of doctors. They can be quite intimidating. All of that changed, of course, and now I think I can distinguish pretty well between a good doctor and a bad one. Hey everyone! Before we begin, I wanted to give a clear and important disclaimer to ensure that listeners understand the limitations of the advice given on this podcast. I am not a professional or expert on the topics being discussed, and you should always use your own judgment when it comes to where you stand on a subject and making decisions. While I do my best to direct you in what I think is the right direction, it is always wise to consult with a qualified professional when seeking advice on a particular issue. References will be in the show notes so you can take a look at the places I'm getting my information from as well. You know your own story and situation better than anyone else, so do what is best for you always. Thank you so much and enjoy this episode. I do want to address that gender discrimination and gender bias are very real in healthcare all over the world and affect women's care regularly. The term medical gaslighting has been coined in the last decade, and women are beginning to fend for themselves when no one else will, as they should. 
Research has suggested that women, especially women of color, are more likely to be misdiagnosed in many situations, including cancer, adrenal insufficiency, and stroke, amongst more. All of this, of course, can affect the quality of the treatment and the care that we receive. And even more so when these things are blamed on being mentally unwell or you're just stressed. There has even been a study where middle-aged women were twice as likely to be diagnosed with mental illness when their symptoms were consistent with heart disease. Now, there are countless stories about women not being taken seriously and accurate diagnosis taking twice as long as they should. Societally, women's pain and suffering aren't taken seriously. There is much work to be done in this regard and we need to get to the root of the problem. I understand that. It's very frustrating, none of it is fair, and it is detrimental to women's health everywhere. And all of these studies that I mentioned were done in developed countries. I can't even begin to imagine how these statistics look in underdeveloped countries. With all of that being said, I must also mention that there is a crisis in the medical world right now. Whether that be from bad management within the hospital or governments, in the U.S., the price of healthcare is becoming impossible to pay for the average worker, and doctors everywhere are trying to combat it, and in the entire world, it is becoming increasingly more and more difficult to take care of such a growing population with the small number of medical professionals available. Even without all of these problems, it goes without saying that it is not easy being a doctor. There are endless late nights, time spent away from your family and loved ones, insane costs of student debt for some, zero breaks from traumatizing stories and events, and for many, contrary to popular belief, the pay isn't analogous to the work that they put in. And unlike most jobs, doctors don't have regular working hours. They work when they're needed. The physical and psychologically taxing demands from all parts of the jobs are incomparable. There are no taking breaks from being a doctor, and I understand that. We can carry empathy while still knowing that we are worthy of adequate care. This in no way is an attack on the fantastic medical practitioners we have. Most of them really do give up their livelihoods for the job. So with all of that being said... Let's begin on how we even go about finding the right doctor for us, and a good doctor at that. First off, you should do your own research on the doctor that you're seeking. What are their qualifications? What kind of people and problems do they regularly work with? Does anyone you trust have any recommendations of their own? Are they in your price range, or does your insurance cover them? Does their approach to treatment align with your values, like the use of holistic treatment along with allopathic? All of these are extremely important to consider even before going in for a consultation. Once you've done that, then we can begin to analyze them as an individual if they're the right fit for you. So the number one most important thing is that they respect your boundaries, especially as a woman. When researching for this episode, I was surprised to see how little information there was on patients setting boundaries with doctors. I mean, I found a million and one papers on doctors' relationships with their patients, but almost nothing on patients, especially women, setting their own boundaries. I get that it can be difficult sometimes and confusing where to set boundaries with a medical professional, but they most certainly exist. Just because these are supposed to be professionals doesn't mean that they aren't human and sometimes, unfortunately, are capable of doing unethical and sometimes illegal things. 
You have the right to bodily integrity. Things should always be explained and your consent should be asked. If you feel uncomfortable at any point during the consultation, you have a right to stop the examination or even leave if necessary. Trusting your gut is much more important than hurting anyone's feelings. Another way that they should respect your boundaries is if you ask for your personal information to not be shared with other people like family members, then they respect that. In some countries, it's even illegal to do that. Now, the legality of these things can get murky if you're a minor, so please look up what protections you have wherever you live. Another really good sign from a doctor is when they ask a lot of questions. Asking questions is one of the most pivotal parts of a consultation. Going in depth into your lifestyle, your family history, previous medical history, and the current problem that you're going in for is technically supposed to be done every single time you visit a new doctor, but can sometimes be overlooked. Now, like I said, doctors can be tired and overworked and or have limited time for each patient, but that is an administrative issue and should never, ever be taken out on you. A good doctor understands this and takes their time with the patient to be really thorough. Most people think that being thorough is done in the physical examination, but asking questions is just as important and in some cases even more important. So if your doctor asks only a few questions and then gives you some medicine to take and sends you on your merry way, chances are they're not the best. I've even had instances where they don't even ask what medicines I'm allergic to before writing my prescription. Very bad. Another good and almost necessary quality to have is that you feel respected, taken care of, and you're comfortable. Feeling chronically uncomfortable with your doctor is not normal. Your body is reading the red flags, and just because this is a medical professional does not mean that you have to ignore it. Again, gaslighting is one of the most unfortunate occurrences that is happening in the medical field against women. That doctor that I was talking about who forgot to ask me what medicines I was allergic to? Yeah, when he was writing down, incidentally, the one medicine that I couldn't take, I told him that I was allergic to it, and he said verbatim. Oh, why didn't you tell me this when I asked you what medicines you were allergic to? You didn't, I replied. Yes, I did, he responded. I was physically taken aback, and that's only because I knew to look out for that. What would have happened if I didn't? What does happen to the women who don't? They pay the price of negligence, unfortunately. Up next, a really good quality to have as a doctor is that they stick to their word. If they say they're going to do something, they do it. If they're the type of doctor that gives you their contact number and say to contact them in case of any new questions, they actually do keep that line of communication open. The amount of ghosting that happens is abominable, especially if they're the ones who open up the communication to you. And sometimes that could be dangerous. Or if they say they're going to send the new specialist your medical history, they do. If you call and make an appointment, they don't reschedule three times. If they say that they're going to perform the surgery, you don't arrive at the OR to a doctor that you've never seen before. Flaky doctors are not good to have in your court because they can even potentially put your life in danger. I understand that sometimes the situation really can't be helped and scheduling conflicts or other things get in the way of them being there 100% of the time, but if this is a regular occurrence, then it may be time to start looking elsewhere. And also, it's 
very important that they let you ask as many questions as you want. Not allowing questions about your health to doctors is even illegal in many countries. In most countries, patients have a list of rights that they can waiver, and within those in my country is the right to ask as many questions as the patient desires about their own health. It's very important for you in whatever country you're in to look up what your rights as a patient are. So a good doctor will let you ask away and patiently and thoroughly respond. There is no such thing as a dumb question or invalid concern. Doctors should always give clear and thorough responses until you understand what's going on. If they make you feel bad about asking questions or even refuse to answer without further explanations, it's time to look somewhere else. And something else that is very important for doctors to do, this is like the creme de la creme. This is like such an amazing and beautiful green flag is that they take your thoughts and feelings into consideration. Good doctors take you into consideration always. This can include medicines that are within your range of budget, your lifestyle and wants for your future, and anything else that you're concerned about. There may be times where the options are limited and decisions are narrowed, but making sure you feel heard is an essential part of the patient-doctor relationship. At the end of the day, if you are a conscious adult, you are in charge of making medical decisions for yourself. A good doctor can help steer you in the best course of action to treatment, but you're the only one that can choose to agree to that or not. Knowing, of course, that by choosing not to, you'll be okay with the consequences. And my last tip for looking for a good doctor is that they don't overpromise. The best course of action as a doctor is under-promising and over-delivering. There are unfortunately some professionals that do over-promise and that is a very risky territory. A good doctor always knows that there will be limits to their knowledge. Specialties exist because not everyone can know everything. Saying, I don't know when they don't know is the only true ethical thing to do. They should never try to handle cases which they are unqualified for because of their ego. They should always refer you to a specialist if need be, and if you choose to get a second opinion, they should never retaliate or become offended. It's part of the job, and a good doctor knows that. So to recap, to find a good doctor, they should respect your boundaries, ask a lot of questions, make you feel respected, taken care of, and comfortable, stick to their word, let you ask as many questions as you want, take your thoughts and feelings into consideration, and not overpromise. So bonus, I also have how to be a good patient because if you're wondering if there are ways to be a good patient, yes, there are. If you're visiting your physician for the first time, it would be good to have a good idea of your family medical history. This includes grandparents, your parents' siblings, your parents and your siblings, for the most part, your own medical history, including previous surgeries, diagnosis, times you've been hospitalized, and for what? Medicines that you're allergic to, vaccine records, APGAR score, if you have it, is a massive win, and anything else that you might think is important. Also, a clear list of medicines you're currently taking is very important. You'd be surprised how many people have no idea what medicines they're taking, especially older patients, their dosages, and what you're taking them for. 
Another tip is that if you have other illnesses, which include taking measurements, make sure you bring that in. And if you want to be really fancy, there are people that make charts of their stats, whether that be blood pressure, glucose reading, etc. You can do that just by downloading the apps where you input the information and it does it automatically. Just make sure that the apps keep your information safe. This goes for visiting your doctor for the first time or the millionth time. These stats are important to have with you. Now, this is the most important, like the most crucial tip for being a good patient is answering the questions truthfully when they ask you. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I think this is like the number one way to have your trip to the doctor be miserable and to have your diagnosis and treatments just take twice as long to work. Doctors are not here to judge you. They're here to help. Please, please, please answer honestly and truthfully to the questions that they ask you from family planning to drug usage to simple things like how many glasses of water do you drink a day or if you eat vegetables. White lies on these subjects will only harm you and your health. And if you're one of my young girls listening to this and want to be honest talking to your doctor but are afraid of your mom or whoever's going with you finding out that you've had sex or something along those lines, get a few seconds alone with your doctor to let them know the situation and I'm sure that they will understand completely and will help. I mean, if they're a good doctor, at least they will. They're not lying when they say that they see this stuff all the time. So please just be honest, no matter how bad you think the situation is or it might look, it will help everyone if you're just truthful when they ask you these questions. Uh, My next tip is if you're going for a specific problem, it would be extremely beneficial to write down your symptoms in detail as they happen. This can literally be life-saving, you guys. If you have pain, write down the date and describe it. How long it lasted, where it was located, what made it worse and what minimized it, what medicines you took to help with the pain, and any other details that you can think of. If you come in, for example, for non-menstrual bleeding, take notes on that. You fainted? Jot down the time of day, what you had eaten that day, symptoms you felt before or after, how long you were out, anything of the sort. The more information you have, the better. Because when we're asked these things and we have to describe it from memory, sometimes it can be warped. Or we could have forgotten key details that could help the medical professional pinpoint the cause. Of course, there are more obvious ways to be a good patient, like getting there on time, canceling at least 72 hours before if you're canceling for a non-emergency reason, being respectful yourself of the doctor, and so on. Now, I'm not gonna lie, you guys. Finding a doctor that meets all of the requirements can be very difficult at times. As I stated, there is a staffing crisis already, and adding filters on top of that narrows the contenders even more. But please know that you are worthy of receiving good care under any medical practitioner and should have these basic rights met. Being taken seriously is the bare minimum that a physician can provide, and if they're not even doing that, then they're not worthy of your money either. These things can have life-changing consequences. It's okay to get a third, fourth, or even a fifth opinion. And I know that all of this can take time, money, and energy, but your health matters. And in the meantime, we can speak up about these things so that there is more being done to stop the problem. 
So that's all I have on doctors for today. I'm not going to lie, it was really difficult researching these topics. I had to read a lot of studies and some really unfortunate stories from women that were just absolutely awful of medical malpractice and negligence and gaslighting, and man, it really took it out of me. But I I really hope that, you know, stuff like this, me talking about it can really help people out there because the medical world can be really scary and confusing. So it's time for Ask Me Anything. Today's question comes from Katie. Katie asks, what's been your favorite song of the year so far? So thank you so much, Katie, for your question. I really had to think about this. I have, there's been a lot of songs that I've really, really, really loved. Like the song, I'm Her. Oh my goodness, I have to look up the artist. I can't remember her name. Okay, it's by Natalie Jane, I'm Her. Absolutely stunning. La Seraphim's new song, Eve, Psyche, and the Bluebeard's Wife is outstanding, but I think my favorite song so far is actually Madison Spear, Home to Another One. I am obsessed. I have not stopped listening to it since it came out, and I'm so excited for her new album. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna probably have, like, a listening party. I'm so excited. She's probably my favorite, my current favorite artist, I'm not gonna lie. So that was it for today's podcast. If you want to submit a question, don't forget that you can send it to girlwisepod at gmail.com. G-I-R-L-W-I-S-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can really literally ask me absolutely anything. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review this podcast as it helps me out a ton. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!